Uh, all right, we'll see. Yeah. I'm going I'm to hold off because I got a really good opening. And I'll <laughs> let everybody get in. Um, let's do this, man. Is there, how many new guys that we have this is first time coming? No, Rick? No. All right, cool. We actually have a couple of uh, under 18. So we have Ramon and Matt and where's Anton's son? He's here too as well. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of cool to have, I, that was one thing that was really crazy is when I didn't ask Joe, but Joe was like, hey, what about Matt? And I, I as a father, you want to have your, your son learn the same thing you get to learn. And um, I've always been blessed by coming to the retreat. And, you know, it's, it was an honor to be able to, to have him come along and then find out Ramon was coming and Anton was bringing his son. And I hope that becomes more of a tradition as we start seeing young men. Uh, especially as, as we get older. We're going to need those young men to, to take over. And so, um, you know, it is a, a blessing to, uh, to be here. And let's do this because we're going to be talking about uh, unity. Uh, we're going to be talking about the mind of Christ, and we're going to be talking about humility. And uh, let's, let's pray, and, and let's just come before the Lord uh, before we uh, open up his word. Lord, we come before you, um, I come before you humbly, Lord, that this is your word. Um, I pray that the, that the time that was spent studying the things that you have shown me over these uh, past couple of weeks and just about unity and, and uh, having the mind of Christ and, and working out our salvation in fear and trembling. I pray that, uh, that we can all receive not just your word, Lord, but be obedient to it and have application that happens not only in our lives, but uh, that we see it uh, overflow into our, our marriages and our, and our uh, families at our workplace. that peace that we have, that quietness that we need, Lord, to be able to meditate on your word. Um, we just humbly come before you, Lord. We pray for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit to be present. Uh, we pray that we would be side by side, united. And uh, we just thank you, Father God, for this uh, retreat. Thank you for the men that have uh, put the time into study for Kurt and, and uh, Anton and Roy. And uh, pray for Joel and Hector and Brandon and Joe. Um, even though Hector's got somebody else's title, we pray, Lord, that... Uh, <laughs> We pray, Lord, that uh, we, we know that it's going to be a great message, and we thank you for getting them here safely from Guanajuato, and also for the family that came in. 
as well and, uh, and also for Aaron and them that made it in from West Texas. We thank you, Father God, for these men. Uh, we pray uh, that we can be in your word and we just ask these things in, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I have the, the wonderful task of doing uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. And so my title is my title. <laughs> I was hoping, I was like, if somebody got this, they're in the wrong, wrong verse, man. I was like, but mine is, the title for mine is Sold Out Workout. A sold out workout. I'll break it down in three uh, points. We'll be looking at verses one through four. We'll be sold out for unity. Verses five through 11, sold out to have the mind of Christ. And verses uh, 12 through 8, which is sold out to be the light. And so, same thing with, with uh, as Roy was saying, I have, you know, that's the thing with Paul, is he, he's like me, just run on sentence after run on sentence when I'm writing. My, my professors always are like, what are you doing? Because I'll have a paragraph that goes on for three pages, so. Um, but we need to go back. So let's go back to verse 27 and pick it up so that way we can get the context of what Paul is saying when it gets to verse 1. Because there's a therefore there and we know there's a therefore for a reason. And so verse 27 says, Only let the manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. And this is where you need to highlight. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw, and I had, uh, now here I still have. And then here we go to verse 1. It says, is there any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy? And we're going to stop right there. So, a church that is standing in one one spirit and one mind striving side by side should do what? Right? It should not frighten, should not frighten anything by your opponents, but it says this is a clear sign of, their, uh, of their, uh, them and their destruction. So a church that is doing what it's supposed to do is actually supposed to bring and show people that, that you believe in God, it shows them that they're dying. That they're, they're, there's destruction coming for them. And that's what our churches should actually be, be showing, is actually that we live out our faith in such a way that, that we show them there is a clear sign of them and their destruction. That your salvation should be that. And I have to ask our, that, that question today is, I don't think our church today is like that. The Western church is definitely not like that. 
And so as we get into verse 1 in, in chapter 2, it's talking about the unity. And, and it's that unity that, that actually causes people to come to know the faith of Jesus Christ. Side by side together. And we know that we're not a United States right now. But we better be a united church. We need to be a united church. And so let's look at that first part. It says, so if there's any encouragement in, in Christ and any comfort from love and any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy. So we're going to look at those four points real quick. So encouragement. That's being persuasive, uh, the persuasiveness of Christ. In, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So we should be building each other up, encouraging each other. It's just like what we were told yesterday. We should be going up and telling somebody, Hey, man, you're doing a great job. Appreciate what you're doing. And, and, you know, one of the papers I had to write, I had to write a paper on uh, the, the, the role of the family, discipleship. And what's sad is, like, when you look at the statistics of, of fathers that are not in homes and what it does to a family. It's like 75% of the fathers, fatherless homes, 75% of those kids end up in jail. And, and then return. It affects the education. Most of them struggle through school and end up dropping out or either they, they don't go any higher than high school. It's, it's in the 80%. I think it was 81%. But what scared me the most is like how many of us as fathers that are godly are not impacting our families as husbands are not encouraging our kids, not encouraging our wives. And so we, we build each other up. And it says, it, it talks about the comfort from love. That's agape love. And so 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 says that, Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort, and God hope through, Christ, uh, through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. And so we get our comfort from Jesus Christ. And we also know in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I love you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He tells you twice. Because you have a tendency not to. Somebody does something to you, and the first thing you do is, I'm out. I'm going to hit the church down the street. I'm gone. By our love for one another. Fellowship of the Holy Spirit, that's the other one. Sharing of the Spirit, and... and um, I'm so glad that Roy talked about this because this is something that is troubling in our churches is that we have a lot of Christians that are not connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to spend a little time here. We're going to camp out here just a little bit because 
I think this is something y'all need to know. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So every one of you has the Holy Spirit if you've given your life to Jesus Christ. And we know that the prophet Ezekiel spoke about this in the New Covenant in Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, verse 27. It says, And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. So each of you has the Holy Spirit in you. In Luke chapter 24, verses uh, 44 through 49, we'll pick it up in... in, in uh, in verse 48, it says, you are, my, uh, you are the witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power. It tells you in that verse, it's like, you're, you're, this, is, uh, this is what was written, and Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. And so, the reason why we are to glorify God is not to glorify you. It's to glorify God so that people will see and we proclaim who God is to the nations. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's how we do that. So I got three questions for you, or three points I wanted to kind of, just a question overall. So we can't do this without the Holy Spirit. So how confident, how confident are you to make disciples and multiply churches without dependence on performance, programs, and professionals? Right? Performance, programs, professionals. So we know that, uh, that God's equipped us, right? We have the Holy Spirit in us. And we know that we also, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, And he gave uh, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to do what? To equip the saints, right? So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to equip and release. Equip and release. Just like fishing. Release them. Right? Equip, release. Equip, release. It should be a continued thing within the church. But what's happened is, is we have gotten so focused on performance. And, and let's just be honest. I mean, every church is set up for a theatrical, right? Lights, stage. But what happens is, we have church goers that attend our churches that will not, I want Bethel type worship, or I want vertical type worship, or so and so is not, he's not singing this week, I'm out. It's me centered church. Or God forbid the pastor decide that he wants to teach a, a series on something. Or change your service time. I mean, they want certain pastors. They, we were just talking about this at, at breakfast this morning. You know, where, okay, I want a pastor that uses a lot of props. Right? 
Or I want a pastor that has PowerPoint. What does that have to do with the Holy Spirit? And then we have our programs. We have our young adult programs, our men's ministry programs, our women's programs, programs for people over the age of 60, programs for single people over the age of 50, right? Programs for people who just want programs. But here's the problem with that. Every program is run by what? A professional. That means somebody who's doing the ministry full time. And that's not what God intended. That's not what God intended. It is. So the question that I have based upon this with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is this. If I was to drop you in Mazatlan or Prattville, Alabama, right, with no performances, with no programs, and no professionals, could you make disciples and multiply churches? Because that's what each of your job is. It's not the pastor's job. That's your job. And this is where we're missing the boat. Because we know that when Philip was in Acts chapter 8, the church scattered, Philip proclaimed the gospel in Samaria. And we know in Acts chapter 11, after the persecution of Stephen, the gospel went out. But do you think those were professionals that went out? No. They were normal, everyday people that were fleeing for their lives. That did what? They shared the gospel. They shared the gospel about Jesus Christ, and that's how the gospel got spread. And we do that through the, the, the dependence of the Holy Spirit. We preach the word, and the Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting. And, and Pastor Francis Chan was talking about this. He said that there was this uh, church in China that was underground. And then in Shanghai, they decided, we're going to go ahead and let them have church. And so they did it. They got a building, started doing church, put a stage up, started having programs. Within, I think, a month, he said there were 2,000 people coming to the church. It was, and within a few months, it was growing. It was in the 15,000s. But only 10% of the people were doing the work. Nobody was sharing the gospel anymore. The pastor of that church said, the best thing that ever happened to me is they put me in jail. They closed the building down. And the church had to go back underground. He said, we ended up becoming a western church. People started getting upset because service times were being changed or somebody didn't put something in the bulletin or this person's not here for worship this week. And it became a me-centered church. And so they decided, you know, just like we have grace grow, glorify grow, uh, or go, they, they decided that they were going to put four things down from this point on for this church. And y'all need to write these down. 
Number one, they devoted to God's word. Not just the pastor. Not the professionals. That's a big deal. It's not your pastor's job to feed you. It's yours. And it's your job to feed your wife and your child. Or they will go hungry. Spiritually. Number two, devoted to prayer. Just like Roy was talking about. They became devoted to prayer again. Number three, every member shared the gospel and expected miracles. With expectation of miracles. They just were like, okay, Lord, we know that we're praying. We're on our knees. We're expecting the miracles to happen. They had an expectation of them. And this is the worst one that this will probably trip most of you up. Number four, embrace suffering for the glory of God. So we need to become a church that is not, and, and one of the things I thought about is, you know, you, you don't need... Um, you don't need your, your, your pastor to, to teach. And I was thinking about Pastor Roy because Roy was not a deacon or an elder. He just opened his house up and started doing a Bible study. And my kids attended. And they loved it. And he was not a professional but he was equipping and releasing people. He was making disciples. You, you can have a Bible study in your house. You can have a prayer group in your house. You don't need your pastor. It's your job to start reaching out to your community and to your neighbors. And so remember, it's a command. So we are, it's not by choice, we're commanded to go out and witness to the world, and we can only do that with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the next he says, uh, after the, any participation of the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. So we need to be merciful. In Luke chapter 6, verses 36, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. And it goes on to say that... Uh, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And so he's talking about unity, not uniformity. And so when we're united in thinking, we have the same love, souls in harmony with each other and Jesus Christ, and, and we fill his cup with joy. And so true spiritual unity comes from within. It is a matter of the heart, and uniformity is the result of pressure from without. So uniformity is a result of pressure from without, and unity is from the heart, from within. And then he goes on to say, do, not, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. And we know Joe will teach this when he gets to uh, Philippians chapter 4 and 2. Uh, chapter 4, verse 2, and there's two people that are having a disagreement 
uh, in the church. And uh, Paul just simply said, hey, he didn't pick a side. He just said, hey, you need to have the mind of Christ. You need to have the mind of Christ. And, and doing nothing and, and selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, others more significant than yourself. Always count others more uh, significant than yourself, and especially as a father, as a husband, that should be a priority. I had finals this week, school of ministry papers to grade last week, and tests to grade last week, and then preparing for this study, preparing for Wednesday night men's study, and my wife decided, hey, I'm making tamales, we need to counsel this couple on Tuesday night. And I had spent breakfast, went and had breakfast with her and my son, I was thinking to myself, man, where am I going to, I'm going to be up late studying. But it was something that was on her heart, and it was like, you know what? And it, on top of it, it had to do with others. So I was like, okay, sweetie, let's go ahead and do it. And it ended up being a really blessed time. You know, I wish uh, they weren't going through as much as they're going through, but, you know, at the end of the, t end of the day, it's like y'all need to make sacrifices for your family. And so if this study is not good, it's the woman you gave me, Lord. Right? <laughs> nah. <laughs> I'm blessed. I, I mean, I'm, she puts up with me. And all. She, she, she does deserve better. And all. But we need to remember, just, just remember that um, we're not in competition with each other. Okay? We're, we're not in competition with each other. And, and so... We need to be careful with uh, with where our minds go, and so we get into the in, into the next, uh, which is sold out to have the mind of Christ, and uh, it says, "Have this mind among yourselves, and which is yours in Jesus Christ, who through he was in uh, the form of form of God, did not count it equality with God, and then uh, to be uh, equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men." And found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient uh, to the point of death, even death on the cross, on a cross. And therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue should uh, tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, uh, to the glory of God the Father. And so... Uh, I remember studying the, the hypostatic union, which is a big word, uh, and I'm not trying to sound smart because I had to go back and I'll tell you how goofy I am. I had to go back and reread it again because I was like, I think I remember saying that. You know? But a, a good way of just knowing it, it is uh, describing how God the Son and Jesus Christ took the human uh, nature yet remained fully God at the same time. And I heard a pastor teach it this way, and I, I really like the way he, he just kind of broke it down. It's like, basically, if I had all you guys close your eyes right now. Close your eyes right now. I'm going to come. All right. Now, if you're in your living room, with your eyes closed, could you find your remote right now? Every one of you saying yes, right? Okay. Let's say you keep your eyes closed for 24 hours. Could you get around your house? Okay, go ahead and open your eyes. What if you did that for a week? 
You think you could move around your house. You're choosing to be blind, though. But you have sight. Got it? Okay, let's move on. Yeah. Because that's the easiest way. I was just like, that's so simple. And so... um, so one of the things that we do know, do is in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. It says, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Jesus Christ, there in verse 5. So the outlook determines the outcome. If your outlook is selfish then the actions will, uh, will certainly be divisive and destructive, right? So, and, and, and James breaks that down. If you read James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10, he talks about uh, what, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you. It's not this, it's that, uh, the, the, that your passions are at war within you, and he's talking about the flesh. And, uh, but he, I love what he says in, in verse 7. He says, but emptying himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death on the, uh, death and even death on the cross. So we need to stop right there. These things right here, these four things, is every man should be walking this. And I'll explain why. First off, you're a servant. So when it's talking about taking the form of a servant, we're a servant. And, and we know that in Mark chapter 10, verses 45, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I love what Kurt shared this morning in Psalm 100, verse, uh, verse 2, Serve the Lord with gladness. Right? And so we're a servant. That means we're to serve our families, to serve our, our wives, and, and to serve in the ministry. The key to your walk is humility. Humility. James chapter 4, verse 10, humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. And I was sitting there thinking to myself where I was at 10 years ago. I was not in Christ. Nine years ago, I was baptized at Roy's pool. Don't forget where you were brought. It's so easy to kind of just take off and then you forget what God has done. And you need to be humble. And there should be humility in, in, your, in your walk. Obedience. So you need to be a servant. You need to be humble. You need to be obedient. And we know that uh, it was the will of God for that his obedience was given. And even when that would be to the point of suffering and death, he said, not my will. He said, Heavenly Father, but yours be done. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42. And also in John chapter uh, 15, verses 4, it says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branches cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you 
unless you abide in me. And so, as we talk about these, these things here, and, and, and I do want to kind of stop here, because when we talk about obedience, one of the things about this verse is, when you look at these verses, it's also a reflection of, our, of what Christ did for the church. Right? And so, if I read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. And gave himself for her. Where are you at with that? Because I have seen marriages crumble this year. I have seen men just run to sin. Run. Not sprint. I mean, they're just gone. And, you know, I, one of the things I heard this, and, and this, you know, I love Tony Evans. And um, one of the things he taught on was, was Adam, where are you at? And so uh, when we read in in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? And so that's my question for you. Where are you? As a husband. Because Adam abandoned his position. God knew where he was at. He's all-knowing. He just gave up. And then went to blame his wife. Blamed everybody else. You know, that's what we do. We put blame on everybody else but ourselves. And God is asking you, where are you? Some of you are struggling with something today. Where are you? Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30 says, And I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall. Stand in the breach before me for the land that I should not destroy. But I found none. We got a lot of males in the church. Don't have men. We need godly men. We don't need people playing church on Sunday and then acting the fool. I mean, I grew up in the South, man. I, you know, you're talking about New Edition. I was trying to think my favorite New Edition song because I, I remember. I was going to do the dance move, remember in the video where they did, the, but I was like, I, I better not. I'll probably break a hip or something, man, but if it isn't love, that was my, one of my favorites, man. But, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, understanding, you know, that we, 
We don't go to the club on Saturday night and roll into the church on Sunday. It's just one of those things that we need to remember, man. It's like we're, we're supposed to be godly all the time. You know, we're supposed to be pursuing holiness and pursuing righteousness. And so, you know, if, if that's you and you're struggling in, in your, your, your walk or you're, you're struggling, you know, that's, that's where, I, where, where obedience comes in. And so we do need to be a, a servant of all. We need to be humbled. We need to be obedient to the point of death. And then we need to be uh, picking up our cross. And so when he talks about death on the cross, we know that in Luke chapter 14, it says, Not great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and bothers uh, uh, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. If there is going to be blessings, there must be bleeding. So those things y'all need to remember. Be a servant of all. Be humble. Be obedient. And pick up your cross and follow Jesus. And then it picks up in verse 9. It says, Therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed him, uh, on him the name that is above every name in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 she will bear a son and and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins in Philippians chapter 2 verse 10 it says so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under heaven every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ the Lord uh, to the glory of God the Father and as Joe says we all have eternal life we just have different addresses Right? That's about as simple as that gets. So you either bow uh, before him, which means that uh, that means salvation, or you bow before him in judgment, uh, which means condemnation. So it's heaven or hell. And so salvation, and, and, and we know that the new covenant was talked about in Ezekiel chapter 36. In Ezekiel chapter 36, and you can pick it up in verse 23. And, and it says... And the nations then will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. When through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all countries and bring you into your own country. I will sprinkle you, so this is the salvation part. I will sprinkle you with clean water on you and you shall be clean from, your, uh, from all uncleanliness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put it within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. So God's grace, God's act of uh, we were hopeless and dead in our sins, and we know that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. 
And so one of the things that we do when we look at that verse in Ezekiel, all you see is, I will, I will, I will, I will. You want to know what God's will is for your life? That's his will. He says, hey, walk in my statutes. Be careful to obey my rules. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And so that's, you know, when we, when we have uh, God's will for our life, it's, it's to obey. It's so that we delight in the things of God, that we're submissive to God. We submit to his authority. But the other part of the under the earth part, this is a question I have for y'all. How desperate are you to see dead people come to life? Or see the dead come to life? So when we talk about under the earth, it's referring to, to hell. And how desperate are you to see them to come to life? Because that has to be something, you know, we were talking about um, the mission field. And I was listening to Andrew Scott, and he wrote a book called Scattered. And he said what's happening now is where there are so many people being born into this earth that the church is not keeping up with the amount we're falling behind. Instead of being ahead, we're falling behind and getting the, the word out to the mission field. I think there's one place in India that has over 60 million people that have not heard the gospel. And so we're falling behind. So we should have that heart on us to see, you know, dry bones come to life. And we know that in Ezekiel 37.3, and he says, and he said, uh, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, you know. Then he said, prophesize over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. See, that's what we're supposed to do is go preach the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you. And we know that the bones come alive, but it's like, at the end of the day, it's like what we're supposed to do is, is preach the word and, 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 and do it with the spirit of God. So we speak, and the spirit will move. But we have to have a, there has to be a sense of urgency for those that are lost. I'm going to read this from you from Jonathan Edwards, and it's an, it is just a description of hell. It says, imagine yourself being cast into a, a great furnace. And then imagine yourself accidentally touching an oven or an iron, burning your hands. Imagine also that your body were to lie there uh, for an hour, but the heat is much greater. What horror you would feel just as you enter the furnace. And how long would that hour seem to you? And after you've only endured for it, you only endured it for one minute. How overbearing would it be to think you have to endure it for another fifty-nine minutes? But what would it? Uh, what would the effect be on your soul if you knew you had you must lie there in torment for another twenty-four hours? And how much greater would it be if you knew you must endure it for a whole year? And still, if you knew, you must endure it for a thousand years. Oh, how then would your heart sink if you thought 
if you must bear this forever and ever, but then you realize it's only been a million years. And yet your torment is nowhere near to the end than when you started. And then you feel the desperation realizing that you'll never be delivered. And it's funny, we were, I don't know why it came up, but I was listening, we, were at, we had a wrestling movie in when we were coming up. And I was like, I didn't have any other DVDs in the car, so I was like, I got wrestling. And Bobby Heenan was talking, he said, man, death doesn't take a day off. And I was like, that's so true. I said, but neither does the devil. There are people that are lost, and we have to become desperate to see the dead come to life. And that's in our communities, that's, that's in our, you know, our, with our families, and, and, and realize that God has placed you in a neighborhood for a reason. He put you in that job for a reason. There's a purpose there. And then we have the last point, which is uh, sold out to be the light. Therefore, my beloved, as you, uh, as you have also uh, always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in, the ab in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, for it is God who works in you, both to, do the, uh, both to will and work for his good pleasure. And so the key word is work out salvation and fear and trembling. It means to carefully uh, put attention to our behaviors, and, and make sure we're representing the one that we honor with humility. And so one of the things that you just have to remember is, it, you know, we so often tell the story of David and Goliath, uh, and, but we uh, are David and the giant, and we just forget that how many times he did that sling to get, you know what I'm saying? God had prepared him, you know, out in the fields for years to that point. You know, we just all of a sudden think, okay, well, I'm just going to grab the sling. And it's like, no, man, God, you, you got to work out your salvation. And so we're, we're, one thing we do need to make sure that we understand, because this verse gets twisted around a lot. And, and we know in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Uh, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're saved by grace through faith, and that is not of our own doing. It is the, uh, the gift of God, not as a result of works, but you are saved for good works. And so fear and trembling, when you read this, do you read the Bible with fear and trembling? Do you actually open the Bible with fear and trembling? And, and that should be something that we need to... You know, maybe you can meditate that on that today and ask the Lord to kind of show that to you. And then Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Uh, and, and we know that uh, the Israelites were known for that in Psalm 106, verse 24. And then they despised the pleasant land, having no faith in, our, uh, in his promise. And they murmured in their tents and did not obey the voice of the Lord. And so that's what happens when we start complaining. What we're doing is we're actually showing that we don't, we don't even trust the Lord, that uh, it's a sin. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, it says, Nor grumble as some did and, and were destroyed by the destroyer. So God doesn't see grumbling as a small thing, and it can destroy a church. And so uh, 
one of the things that I really love is, is that Chuck Swindoll would say is he says, I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And, uh, and so we need to remember who's in charge of our attitudes, right? It's us. And so disputes is another, as he talks about complaining and disputes, disputes are actually the natural cause from complaining. It's all just pride and carnality. So in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, it says, by pride comes nothing but strife. And so, but the, uh, the well-advised is wisdom. So the proud spurn advice and the wise accept it. So the opposite of that would be what? Uh, humility. So we need to remember humility. In verse 15, it says that you may be blameless and innocent children of, of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom shines as lights in the world. So we are blameless, not perfect. Okay? Blameless, not perfect. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Having good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile you, your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. You don't have to defend yourself. Because God is going to defend you. So you need to trust in that. And then uh, children of God without blemish. Uh, in the midst of a crooked generation, we know that uh, we are living in a crooked and twisted generation. You can just watch the news and see that. And if anything, our light should be the thing that shines uh, in this crooked generation. And, and Paul meant that, that Christians should not uh, be rebellious like the Israelites. But we need to shine our lights in the world and be light bearers. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it says that you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the, all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And uh, verse 16 says, Holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud and did, uh, did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I've been poured out as a drink offering and sacrificial of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you. All likewise, you also be glad and rejoice with me. And so we know that uh, we need to be uh, holding fast to the word of life. In John chapter 14, verses 23 and 24, it says, Any, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my word, and the word which here is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And so we are supposed to be the light in this dark world. And so as we look at what our application would be for this, and, and I know we had to rush through the last little part of it because i got to get you all to break for, for, for lunch, although I'm sure probably you know, you're all hungry, right? You all had such a big breakfast. But application, real simple. So... What we should want to do is glorify God's name daily. So remember, you, you should be a servant to all, humility, humble, obedient, and dying to self and picking up your cross. 
not just for you, but for your wife, your family, and your church. Filled, empowered by the Holy Spirit, in the same love and mind of Christ, to be the light of the world and make disciples to multiply churches. And that's a church that pleases God. See, that's, not, that's one of my long sentences that my professor always corrects. Um, I'm just going to share this real quick with y'all. I, I told this to the men's group not too long ago. And, and realistically, I, I saw this with the school of ministry. After two weeks, I think we were about to lose everybody because they were they were. <laughs> I think they were like, oh, I think we're everybody's. Good. We may come to class; it'll just be me and Joe. But you know, I was telling them, I was like, how is your? You know, they're so focused on doing the papers and keeping up with the reading and all that stuff. But I'm like, how is your reading? Your your time with the Lord. And you could just tell by their faces that well, I ain't got time for that. I'm trying to do all this other stuff. But it's like you can't do this without spending time with God and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. It won't work. And the other thing I told the men is like, guys, one of the things that God showed me, and I pray y'all get this, for you guys that are married, and for you guys that are going to be married someday. Your time with your wife. Your life is not that long compared to eternity. You're not going to be married in heaven. So your time with your wife. Should be precious. Same with your kids. Don't neglect them over the ministry. Okay? Love them as Christ loved the church. My wife asked me, Mike, you know, I, I'm tired. You mind if you lay down with me? I need to take a nap. I can't sleep without you. I wasn't tired. I just slept for three hours. So I was like... <laughs> But I was like, you know what? God has showed me that earlier. So I laid there for 45 minutes staring at the, the ceiling. And then I started praying and, and just kind of used that time. And she started snoring. And, um, and uh, it, at the end of the day, um, I realized what a sweet time that was. And in the busyness of our lives, we don't do that. And your kids need the same thing. You know, Matt had to have four or five outfits to change into when he, so he was like, Dad, I need to go get some, some sweats and, and all that stuff. So I was like, okay, well, let's go do that because that was a priority. I mean, I don't have to buy school clothes. He's homeschooled, so I'm like, hey, you know. <laughs> So make time for your families, okay? Last thing, those four things that we talked about, the church in China. Devote yourself to God's word. Devote yourself to prayer, right? Share the gospel. Share the gospel. 
and expect miracles to happen. Embrace suffering for the glory of God and don't get caught up in the performances, the programs, or professionals. You are equipped. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You need to use it. Okay? Let's pray. And I'll go ahead and pray for your lunch, too, because y'all need to get over there. All right. And then y'all got free time till 5.30. If you miss 5.30, that's when you eat. So you need to be over there eating at 5.30. <laughs> so you're going to eat twice. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for these men. We pray uh, for them. We pray for their walks. We pray that we would be servants to all, uh, that we would be uh, obedient to your word, um, that we would be uh, picking up our cross daily and dying to self. And Lord, most of all, that we would be humbly united as a body, side by side, that when we come together, not just here, but in our communities, that people would be, they would just know, I'm going to die. I need to find out what's going on with them because they have salvation. I believe their, their God is real. Let us be those type of churches, Lord. Let us be a church that is united together in the mind of Christ. We thank you so much, and we do pray for the food, Lord. We pray for those that prepared it, and we pray for our stomachs that are going to enjoy it. And, uh, and I pray for these men. I pray that this time that they have uh, together this afternoon, that they would just be a blessed time of fellowship. And uh, we thank you so much, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So go ahead and head on over to lunch, man. God bless you.